And uh, man, we just want to thank Pastor Eddie Cantu. Um, Pastor Eddie and I have been good friends for a long time. And we, I actually met him when we were doing the 99, when we were traveling from coast to coast. And we came here and I met Pastor Eddie and he allowed us to come in and, and recruit uh, a lot of their people to help with the outreach. And it was just a, an honor to get to know him. And so we've kept up our relationship. We go to lunch frequently. And, and I mentioned to him, I just mentioned in passing that I said, the Jones Center is going to be closed on New Year's. I said, so we're praying about what God wants us to do, you know, in the meantime. And he said, well, why don't you just use our auditorium? He said, our old auditorium. He said, we won't even be in there New Year's Day. He said, normally we use it for Sunday school and classes and things. And because they built a beautiful auditorium here across the, the breezeway here, this underpass uh, here. And, um, and by the way, you guys were very instrumental in sewing into that. Vision Church, we sewed our, almost our entire building fund at one point into their building because we wanted them uh, to get it done. And he, he told me, he said, I, I didn't even know how we were going to pay for it. And so I, th I thought, well, thank you, Lord, for helping us be a part of that. And uh, so anyway, but he offered this to us. And so I, it's just such an honor because, man, look around this room. Do you see all these flags, all these different nations? This one thing that I love that Pastor, uh, that Pastor Eddie does is that they support missions all around the world. And it's awesome. So I'm honored to know him, and I'm so glad that we're in here. So welcome to 2023. If nobody said that to you yet, welcome. <laughs> oh, and also, if you came in here and you meant to go to Central Cristiano, it's right out the door, right across. So, you know, just in case you're wondering, it looks a little different. Do you speak Spanish? No, I don't. Muy poquito. So if you have your Bible, I'd like you to open up to the book of... Man, where do I start? You know what? Open up to Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> How many of you know that we've been announcing a fast that we, we wanted to... Uh, our team, we felt as a staff that we wanted to fast for 21 days, the first 21 days of January coming into the new year. And so we've invited you to be a part of that, to be a part of that fast and I realized, um, you know, as I was praying and seeking God about, Lord, what do you want said New Year's Day? I felt like he, he woke me up in the middle of the night and he began to drop things in my heart about fasting. And I saw the need that we needed to talk about what is fasting? What is it even? You know, why do we fast as Christians? And so I want to go into that a little bit. So in Matthew chapter 4... Actually, Matthew chapter 6, but hold, hold your place in 4 as well. Matthew 6, verse 16, Jesus made this statement. He said, when you fast, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. So fasting is supposed to be a part of our Christian walk. It's supposed to be a part of our daily Christian life in some way, shape, or form. Fasting. Now, over in Matthew 4. Look at verse 4. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus himself was the bread of life. In fact, Bethlehem's known as the house of bread. And to the house of bread came the bread of life. 
He is the bread of life. So when we're fasting and we're feasting on him, our spirit man is being, oh my word, we're getting a lot of nutrition from him. Amen. So fasting is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of value. Thank you guys, by the way, for allowing Nicole and I to be gone. We went to Orlando, Florida, the week before last. In fact, my mom spoke the week before last here, and I listened to her message, and I was like, oh, Ma, I learned things I didn't even know, and it was her testimony. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that. So she just did a great job. If you want to hear that, you can go back on the website. We've got it on there, and it's been uploaded. But um, <clears throat> So Nicole and I were in Orlando, Florida. We went to Jesus Image. Every year they do a conference or an event called Jesus and then, then the end of the, the year. So we went, Zach and I went last year, Jesus 21. Zach told Nicole, he said, you have to go this year. In fact, I was just thinking about, because of some transitions, some things that we'd had uh, go on at the church, I thought, you know, maybe it'd be better if we just didn't go this year. And when I realized that Zach was really pushing Nicole, saying, you need to go, I wasn't going to get out of it. So I was glad, but I'm so glad that we went. <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't mean I was trying to get out of it. I just, financially, I didn't plan for it this year. So, but God provided and, and we went. And one of the things, when you go to Jesus uh, 22 or 23, or which, you know, if you decide to go next year, you know, whenever they announced the start time, like it was Friday, started at 7 p.m. Doors open at 2. What does that tell you? There's going to be some folks. You know, so Nicole and I got there at three, and so we sat out there at three, so we're in our seats, and so you had a lot of that waiting going on, you know, where you had plenty of time to wait, but, but it was all good, because they're playing just these worship moments, and I mean, there's people worshiping, I mean, it was, it was awesome, but Saturday, we had some of the same times where I was just waiting, I remember this one time in particular, I was just sitting in my seat, not thinking about anything, just you know, I'm here, I'm ready, bring on the next person, you know, and the Spirit of God just spoke to my heart so sweetly, and he said, I want to thank you for sacrificing to be here. He said, thank you for valuing me. I don't know about you, but it, it messes with me that I can touch the heart of God like that. Just because, I, what did I sacrifice? I mean, it cost some money, and we got on a plane, and we came, and we did have to stay in a hotel over by Universal. It was about an hour, nearly an hour drive, 45-minute drive to get there. Everything's turnpikes in Orlando, if you've ever been there. But, um, but just the fact that he said that, I was like, God, I'm blown away that you're touched, that that touches your heart. One of the phrases, there was a, there was a spirit-filled nun that spoke at the event. Um, says, what was her name, Zach? Sister Nina? Pina, Pina, I think, Sister Pina. Anyway, she made this statement. She said, find the love of God and let him love you back. I don't know about you, but that just messed with, I've been chewing on that ever since. And I asked God, I was in prayer one morning early. I said, God, how do I love you more? Teach me how to love you. 
And he made this statement. He said, he said, Phil, how do kids spell love? T-I-M-E. <laughs> if you're a parent. <laughs> T-I-M-E. And I just went, I, it's so simple. It's so simple. But it takes fasts. What, fa- what a fast does is it dethrones your flesh. It takes your flesh off of the throne. And then, like, let's say you fast a lunch. You know, maybe you've done this. You fast a lunch and you go in. And instead of eating lunch, maybe you get in your office or you find a quiet place, get in your car, and you spend time with God instead of eating your lunch. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've tried to make Jesus a part of something I've already got going on. Now, it's one thing if you have to mow the lawn. I love to mow the lawn. I don't get to now as much anymore, you know, because... Nicole discovered zero turn and she really enjoys it but but I but I I like to get out there on the zero turn and put my ears in and just allow and listen to the word of God and allow God to speak to my heart now that's that's one thing but but I you know I'm going to pray while I have the football game on silent have you ever tried to do that with your kids we're going to spend time with, I'm going to spend time with you and you got your phone in your hand and you're checking updates to the game. And your child's going, I, I just want your full attention just, just for a little while. We used to take our kids. Uh, we, Nicole started this. I thought it was a great idea. She said, we're going we're gonna to do this every time on your special day. Now, their special day was always their birth date. So the birth date you know, whatever day that was, we would plan a special day on that date. So every month, and Nicole and I would alternate. And so she would get them up at 6 a.m. and take them to IHOP. But it was one-on-one time. It was where we got to spend time with each individual child. We only had two, by the way. Um, One-on-one. And we just talk about what's going on in your life. What have you been up to? What are you into now? You know, and one time Zach ordered a uh, hot fudge sundae and I said whoa 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 what do you think you're doing he said mom lets me do it (laughs) I got home and said really you let him do this so yeah so we were eating hot fudge okay let me get back to my message here so I want to give you some things I want to give you some questions before you fast that you need to ask yourself okay these are some good questions and If you're joining us on this fast, it's okay. You can go ahead and ask these questions. But if you're not joining us on this fast and maybe you're thinking about, maybe, you know, maybe I'll chime in halfway through or whatever. We're we're doing a 21-day fast. And and Nicole and I are doing the Daniel fast, which I'll explain what that is. It's a a Daniel-type fast. But you're welcome to join in in any way that, you know, you know in your heart what's a big deal to you. I'll tell you what I'm fasting because this is a major deal for me. And that was coffee. That's why I don't seem real chipper up here this morning. No, I'm teasing. I I just, because I like my morning coffee, my morning brew, you know. And uh, I just felt like this has too much control in my life, too much control in my flesh because it's something I have to have. 
I want to sacrifice that for 21 days. You know, what am I doing? I'm dethroning the flesh like it talks about. Okay. All right, so that's just an idea. But here's some questions to ask. One, am I being led by God into this fast? Is he the one leading me into this fast? Number two, what's my motive? Is it to fast? Is it to lose weight? Is it, what's the motive? You guys get the point, right? Number three, what is the specific need that I'm fasting for? The specific need. Because every fast in the word, in the in scripture was for a need. So that's very important. Um, number four, what results am I looking for? What's the outcome that I want to see? And then the last one is, is really good. Am I planning Am I to minister to God while I'm in this fast? Am I going to minister to him while I'm in this fast? All right, so I want to read to you a couple of scriptures. Zechariah 7. I'll read it to you. It'll be on the screen, so you don't have to turn to the table of contents to find Zechariah. Zechariah 7, 5, because I would be. i just being honest here. So these people were fasting. The Israelites are fasting, and in verse 5 it says, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests that when you fasted and mourned in the 50th and the 7th months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me? No, what he's saying is, no, you did it out of ritual. You remember, the, you remember the Pharisees? They say, remember the one Pharisee prayed and he said, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. I give my tithe and I fast twice a week. Man, he just pulled the carpet out from underneath his fast because he just revealed who he's doing it for. He's doing it for him. And that's what was happening in the children of Israel. And then in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 7, it will be on the screen as well because I'm going to give a lot of scripture. Uh, this morning it says and do not become idolaters as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play so that again goes back to that flesh in charge thing okay all right so what is the purpose of fasting again I just want to make sure I drive this home it's dethroning the flesh remember John the Baptist he he came and he preached prepare the way of the Lord what was he doing he wanted to get anything out of the way that would prevent the presence of God from coming in from Jesus coming in and and changing people's lives and that this is what fasting does man it's so so powerful so over in in fact in first Corinthians 9 Paul said this, he said, but I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. That's what fasting does, is it, it brings your body into subjection, makes it subject, it now becomes submissive to God, right? So fasting will not allow your flesh to rule your life. In fact, Adam and Eve, they submitted to the flesh, and they lost dominion. Why? The, the fruit, whatever it was, they saw that it was, it was sweet. It, I mean, it looked like something you wanted to eat, right? And it, and it was going to make them wise. So, and that's the enemy's strategy is to get us to, to bow to the desires of the flesh. And you in yourself know what those desires are. I can't. Nobody can look at you and just say, oh, you have, you know... You have this flesh issue going on. You have that flesh issue going on. Nobody knows 
what that is, but you do in your heart and the Holy Spirit, if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our heart, he'll show us what to fast. I mean, he went right to that coffee thing in my life. He knew what a big deal that was. And sugar. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I made sure I got rid of the Andy's gift card before <laughs> today. So, all right. So fasting brings down the flesh and it brings it into subjection. We've got that, right? So what's the purpose of fasting? Turn over to Daniel. And I want to start by talking about the 21-day fast. And what is this about? What's the purpose of this, this 21 days? And why is it a partial fast? Why, why is it different from other fasts? Daniel chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So three whole weeks is 21 days. So Daniel fasted three full weeks, 21 days, but it was a partial fast. So notice that he's still eating because he said, I didn't allow... He said, I ate no pleasant foods. That could, that could be desserts. Desserts are pleasant foods. I ate no meat, so no meat of any kind. And no, no wine came into my mouth. So in my situation, coffee, I mean, it's a specialty drink, right? It's not just water. So, so we remember back to Daniel chapter 1 where he said when he was taken captive to Babylon, he said, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's delicacies. I'm just going to eat vegetables, and water. So that may be the diet that he's coming back to, you know, according to what we're reading. Now, why is he doing this? In order to find that, we need to go over to Daniel 9. So in chapter 9, in verse 3, it said, he said, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting in sackcloth. And ashes. So Daniel is fasting for an answer to a request. He received a vision, but he's wanting clarification on this vision. And in 23, the answer came. And it says in verse 23 that at the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. The answer came now to Daniel. So so this is a 21-day fast. And what was the purpose of this fast? The purpose was for revelation. That's what Daniel wanted. Daniel wanted to receive revelation about the vision. I don't know about you, but I said, oh God, that's what, that has been the number one thing on my heart for this fast that, we're, that we started today. 21-day fast for revelation. We, man, we need revelation in our lives. We do in our marriage, in our relationship with our kids. We need revelation in where God is taking us as a church family, right? We need revelation. So that's, that's this first fast. So hopefully that helps clarify that. Now, I want to say this because this is really important. This is not a formula, okay? Because sometimes we're... We as Christians, we can look for the easy way out and we can just jump on a formula and say, okay, I'm going to always do this. This is the formula to do this. No, I'm just reading scripture. We're just looking at what Daniel did 
And so we see that in Scripture. And what I love about Scripture is Scripture always gives us something that we can go and do. Do you know one of the most powerful ways that I can love God? I read this in a Brother Lawrence book, The Presence of God. One of, the, one of the greatest ways that I can love God is by surrendering my will to his will. By, in other words, by understanding that and showing him what you care about and what you want to see is more important than what I care about and what I want to see. That's a really good point right there. Let's look at another fast. Turn over to Esther. Esther. Esther had come in to the kingdom of Persia in a really important time. God had raised her up. He had caused her to be picked by the king. She is now queen. And, but there was a problem in the kingdom. There was a man by the name of Haman who was an evil man, and he wanted to destroy all of the Jews. He wanted to annihilate all of them. And he connived, and he maneuvered, and he was able to get the king to sign uh, and, and to approve a strategy to annihilate all the Jews. Mordecai found out about it. Mordecai is Esther's uncle. Mordecai gets word to Esther and says, you need to go into the king. She sends word back and says, I can't go into the king. He hasn't called me for 30 days. And so she only came before the king if she was requested. Now, back then, during this time, the kings were very skeptical. I mean, the throne room was very safe. Let me say it that way. You know, they were concerned about being, um, you know, being killed or somebody trying to assassinate the king. And so they had this law that anyone that came into the throne room, if the king did not extend the scepter toward them, they were to be killed. Didn't matter who they were. Didn't matter if they were the queen. So this is why Esther is saying this. In, in verse 16 in chapter 4 of Esther, Mordecai has sent word to her and he's given her the, the throwdown speech. And he said, listen, God has brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. You have to act. You have to do something. And so she responds with this in verse 16. Her heart's convicted and she says, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and I will go into the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Esther fasts for three days. So remember that number, three days. Okay, another situation. Acts 9, Paul, who is Saul currently, is coming to Damascus. He has authority to arrest anybody who is a Jesus follower. Throw them into jail, torture them, I mean, probably even kill them. And so he's on his way to Damascus to do that. He gets knocked off of his horse by Jesus himself. <laughs> oh, I love that. Jesus says, I, I'm Jesus who you are persecuting. You can't persecute me. It's hard to kick against the goads, right? And so what happened was he became blind. Well, they took Saul on into Damascus and they put him in a house wherever he was. He was there for three days, three nights, it says. 
in verse 9, it says, And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. It's interesting. It's three days. I'm just throwing that out there. All right. Saul fasted three days. What happened at the end of three days? Ananias came. He anointed his eyes. He prayed for him. And God healed him. Now think about this. He was a Pharisee, an extremist Pharisee. And now he has defected. He is now officially a Jesus. I, I find that that's what happens to people who encounter Jesus. It changes their life forever. When they truly encounter him. <clears throat> yeah, oh my word. <clears throat> so, so he encountered Jesus. And so now the Pharisees, don't you think they would want to kill him? He defected. So, so here's my point. is The three-day fast is what's the purpose for crisis? Just based on what we've read, the story of Esther, purpose is for crisis. All right. <clears throat> Let's go on to another one. Again, this is not a formula. We should, let me say this. The answer to a thousand and one questions is to allow the Spirit of God to lead you. That's always the answer. In order to do that, then Phil has to be still so that I can know. I have to get before him. And fasting's a big part of that. Fasting is a very powerful way to hear from the presence of God. Now, I want to read... <clears throat> Let me see where I want to go here. Yeah, let's read three different verses here. First one is in uh, Psalms 35, verse 13. Psalm chapter 35, verse 13. <clears throat> it says this, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. The, the ESV version says, I afflicted myself with fasting. Remember that line, that phrase. And my prayer would return to my own heart. He said, I humbled myself with fasting. Fasting humbles us. Now, in Leviticus 23, verse 27, it says this. <clears throat> also, the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you and shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Afflict your soul. Humble your soul. Afflict your soul. Humble your soul. Why? For consecration and for re-examination of the heart. So this is a fast. In fact, let me read it. Let me read one more scripture which brings it all together in Jeremiah 36, verse 6. <clears throat> Forgive me for clearing my throat so much. No, no coffee, you know. Jeremiah 30, I'm not, but I am. 36.6, it says, You go therefore and read from the scroll, which you have written at my instruction, the words of the Lord in the hearing of the people in the Lord's house on the day of fasting. And you shall also read them in the hearing of Judah, who come from their cities. So this, this was a day of fasting, a day of fasting for what? The purpose was for re-examination. Examination of the heart. So I'm just giving you some reasons to fast. Now, 
This one, turn over to Judges chapter 20, and we're going to hang out there for a moment. Because in Judges chapter 20, this is, to me, the most interesting thing about fasting that I think I've, I've read. I think you'll be blown away by it, or it'll be interesting at the least. In Judges chapter 20, you remember the Israelites were living in such a way that they didn't have a king, so everybody did what seemed right to them, you know, and so the tribe of Benjamin, you'll remember when they came into the promised land, they didn't drive all the people out. So many of the people still lived in the land, which meant that influence was there, which meant that they intermingled, they intermarried with one another. And so the tribe of Benjamin really got off track. I mean, they went with Sodom and Gomorrah off track. All right. And so all of the other tribes of Israel came together and said, what are we going to do? We're going to have to go to war with our brothers, Benjamin, the Benjamite tribe, because they are not doing what is right. And so the whole Uh, The whole nation was in an uproar over it. So they went before the Lord and they asked the Lord what to do. They said, this was their question, who should go up first? In fact, let's read it. In Judges 20, verse 18, it says, Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah first. So notice that the Lord answers them, gives them the answer, instructs them, gives them specific instructions of who's to go first. All right, verse 21, Benjamin comes out, fights against Judah, kills 22,000 of them. And what happened there? I mean, they, got, they went to the Lord, they got instructions, and but they were soundly defeated. So now look at the next verse in verse 23. It says, Then the children of Israel went up and they wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall we again draw near for battle against the children of our brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against him. So he gives them specific instructions. Verse 25, and when Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day, they cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. How many, now let me ask a fair question. Because I've had this happen to me. How many of you have ever had specific instructions from the Lord that you really felt like you heard? And then... You were in that situation where you were defeated. Something happened. Yeah. I've been there too. And I had never seen this. This is so interesting. Because now there's like 38,000 of the Israelites are dead. And Benjamin is still. I mean, they're all good. The Benjamites, interesting side note about the Benjamites. They said each of them with their left hand, they could sling a stone with a sling. And that was the gun of the day back then. Throw a rock with a sling and they could hit a hair on a wall. That's a good shot. All right, that was a side note. All right, back to the scripture, verse 26. It says, then all the children of Israel, all the people, they went up 
and they came to the house of God and they wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up for tomorrow, I will deliver them into your hand. Go up for tomorrow, I will deliver them into your hand. So notice a couple of things. Notice that, that the first two times, God just said, Judah first, and go up. It was pretty short instructions. You know, God doesn't have to be a man of many words. I mean, he, he gets right to the point. His words don't return void. So I think if we felt the same way about our words, we would probably say a little less. Amen? Can I get an amen from anybody? And, and so he's, but now this time he says, go up for tomorrow. This time tomorrow, I will hand them. I will, I will turn them over to you. I'll give them into your hands. What was the difference? Because this time when they went out, they defeated Benjamin. What was the difference? They fasted. I'm just reading scripture. They didn't fast the first two times. They came before the Lord. They requested the, of the Lord. But this third time, they decided to fast. Isn't that interesting? I'm just pointing that out because that's very interesting. Huh. But really, they should have known to fast because Moses taught them to fast. It was a part of their lifestyle. It was a part of the Mosaic law. It was fasting. They didn't fast. So I just want to point that out. This is a one-day fast. What was the purpose of this one-day fast? Deliverance. Deliverance. <clears throat> Verse 35 is, is when you read, read the story about how they beat the tribe of Benjamin. They were able to... Now, look at this over in 1 Kings. This is, this is really interesting to you. 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings 21. <clears throat> there was a king in Israel at this time, and his name was Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king. He was married to the most wicked woman in Scripture, uh, Jezebel. And Ahab had done some wicked things in his life. And so what had happened was the prophet Elijah had come and told him, this is what's going to happen to you. God is bringing judgment on your life because of all this wickedness that you've done. But now look at what Ahab does in verse 27. It says, so it was when Ahab heard that these words that he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth on his body, he fasted and he lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring calamity in his day. 
but in the days of his son, I will bring calamity on his house. So here's a wicked king who fasts. What did we read in the scripture earlier that fasting was, that I humbled myself with fasting? It's a place of humility, of repentance. He humbled himself, he fasted, and then what happened? It lifted judgment on Ahab. I just, I'm just reading scripture here. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to skip one of them because I, I want to jump to a very important one and then I want to land the airplane. In Luke chapter 4. <clears throat> Luke chapter 4. This is an interesting fast because it's a fast that lasts 40 days. There's only four people that did it in the Bible. There was Jesus, there was Moses, there was Elijah. Moses technically fasted 80 days. He had a little three-day break there. <laughs> then, he, then he fasted another 40. You know, he probably looked like a skeleton or something. Um, Moses, Joshua was the fourth one. 40-day fasts. So Jesus, it says that then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is in chapter 4, verse 1, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. What was this, what was the purpose of this fast? Dominion. Dominion. So there's three important things to remember. One is that when you choose your fast, <clears throat> let me give you a couple of things. Make it something that costs. Make it something that's expensive for you. <clears throat> you know, David said, I'm not going to give my Lord something that costs me nothing. So it needs to be something that costs you something. So in other words, if you're a vegetarian and you say, I, I'm going to go on the Daniel fast, that doesn't count. It's the same thing. <laughs> I mean, you haven't done anything. You haven't given up anything, okay? So I'm just encouraging you. And here's why. Why is it important that it's a sacrifice? Because fire falls on sacrifice. Remember Gideon? Gideon, the, the uh, who did they destroy? The Amalekites? It was the Amalekites, wasn't it? So Gideon's hiding. He's threshing wheat. And he's to hide it from the Amalekites. Because you know what the Amalekites were doing to the Israelites? It was terrible. They would wait until it was almost harvest season. They would come in and they would burn their entire field. They would take all their food and they were basically starving them to death. So this is where Gideon's at. Gideon's threshing wheat. He's hiding it from the Amalekites. <clears throat> and this angel shows up and says, Stand up, you mighty man of valor. 
And this is interesting how Gideon replies because Gideon has heard the stories of the goodness of God. He's heard about the Israelites and how they were delivered out of the hand of Egypt and all the miracles and all the things that God did on their behalf. And he's heard all that. And so he responds to the angel and he said, he said, why have we not been saved? Where are all the miracles that I've heard about? And the angel says, he says, rise up. He says, because I'm going to deliver the children of Israel from the Amalekites by your hand. Whoa. Whoa. And so Gideon said, listen, would you please wait here because I want to offer the Lord something. So you know what he offered him? He offered him the very food that they needed. Put the food on this big rock and he took the gravy, poured the gravy over as a Thanksgiving offering. I'm teasing. That was a joke. He poured the gravy over it. And then you know what happened? The angel reached over, touched it with his staff, and fire fell on the sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. It fell. Fire falls on sacrifice. So when you're willing to sacrifice something that dethrones your flesh, fire is going to fall on it. Amen, Pastor Phil. So number two, second thing that's important to remember is to proclaim the fast. Proclaim the fast. <clears throat> Why? Tell somebody. Because then you can't cheat your way out of it. It's, it's harder. <laughs> it is. How can I be accountable to you, John, if I don't tell you anything? Where's the accountability there? You know, but if I tell you, John, I'm going to fast coffee for the next 21 days. I need you to hold me accountable, man. You see me walking over to that Keurig. You just smack my hand. Say, what are you doing? But now he can hold me accountable. I've decreed it. I've proclaimed my fast. It's like proclaiming my love for my wife. I'm making a vow. You remember a guy by the name of Jephthah? He made a terrible vow. You remember him in the Bible? He made a terrible vow. I mean, God had raised him up. He was one of the judges of Israel. He delivered them out of the hand of their oppressors. And he made this terrible vow. He said, whatever runs out of my house to greet me when I get home, I will sacrifice to you, God. Well, he must have had a lot of animals in his house, is all I'm thinking, like goats and sheep and stuff. And he expect, fully expected something, a small calf, donkey, something's going to come out of that. But what comes out? His one and only daughter. Oh, and then he began to mourn. He began to cry. And she said, Father, will you please let me, at least let me go for two months and mourn with my friends that I'll never be married. And I'll die a virgin. He said, yeah. She came back and she knew he had to fulfill his word. See, God is a God who fulfills his word. He doesn't say things. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't say things he doesn't mean. And when we proclaim a fast, when you proclaim a fast to your spouse, to your friend, hey, or you call someone, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going on a fast and I want you to, 
I want to proclaim it to you so I'm accountable to it. Okay. So, you only had to pay taxes on what you declare, right? Yeah, okay. Last one is this. Minister to him during the fast. What does this mean to minister to God during the fast? <clears throat> Find the love of Jesus and love him back. Find the love of Jesus and love him back. That just messed me up, man. See, an idol is anything that pulls you away from him. An idol is... An idol is not like taking that soccer trophy, which, by the way, is so small compared to American trophies, but that little World Cup trophy, you know, when we, I think, I don't know about you, but I think in my mind when I hear the word idol, I think of something like that sitting up on a stand and people bowing down to it. But no, no, no. See, we live in the United States of, we are very sophisticated idols that people don't recognize, but anything that pulls you away from him, it's an idol in your life. Anything that you can't turn loose of so that you can give your full attention to him can be an idol. How do we spell love? There you go. There you go. Wow. Why is sacrifice important? Because on the other side of sacrifice is joy. See, a lot of people want to get to joy without given a sacrifice Jesus Hebrews 12 it says for the joy that was set before me I endured the cross despising its shame and now he's sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he's living in everlasting joy because he accomplished what God sent him to do I'm telling you, when we make sacrifices, there's joy on the other side of sacrifice. It's not a, oh, I did a great job. Good job, Phil. It's not about that. It's the joy of what God did in me in the midst of fasting. So how many of you have a little more, feel like you have a little more clarity on fasting now, a little more understanding? Yeah. I, I just felt like I'm so glad the Holy Spirit had us talk about this because we all need more understanding why are we doing this? Why are we doing a 21-day fast? Pastor Phil, I don't, I don't know. Well, and let me tell you, this whole deal of, well, it's Christians, it's what, that's what we do, that doesn't pass. That's the same as a parent saying, because I told you so. <laughs> you know, it, it only goes so far. You know, but we want to have understanding as to why we're doing these things while we're fasting. Amen. Would you stand up with me this morning? I'm, I want to do a couple of things before we dismiss. <clears throat> and I'm, again, just so honored that you were able to come and be here on New Year's Day. This is a special day. It's not just a special day because it's New Year's Day. This was my, this was my, my parents' anniversary. My dad went home to be with the Lord back in 2013. This was their wedding day. My mom wouldn't marry him before the end of the year because she said, no, I'm not giving you a tax benefit. I'm telling you, my mom, she looks all sweet and cuddly on the front row when she's there, you know, but she's a, she can be tough, you know. And uh, no, my, she is in Oklahoma, Tulsa right now with my sister and they're bringing in the new year together, spending some time with them and I'm just happy about that but but this day made me think of my parents 
in the 52 years that they were married and that they made a vow to one another. And they didn't just make the vow, they followed through on it. They held each other accountable. And I want to encourage you, if God's putting it on your heart to fast, if he's saying saying something like that to you in your heart, is, man, allow him. He'll give you the grace to walk it out. He will grace you to walk it out. Phil, you don't understand. I mean, my family history is I had a lot of divorce in my history. Yeah, but your history is not your future. That's not you today. That was your past. You know, generational uh, curses don't have, they can stop with me. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've been dealing with those thoughts. Maybe you know of your past, your, your, and I don't know what it's concerning, but maybe there's something in your mind that because of your past, you're having difficulty moving into the future and committing to something because of this past back here. And I want to encourage you this morning. God, that's why the Holy Spirit came. He is your helper. He will empower you with grace that's beyond your ability and show you how to walk this out. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. If that's you and you're dealing with this, you're, put, you're, you're going through something like this, I want to pray for you. Also, I want to pray for you if you've been dealing with depression. Many times we get around the holidays and life changes or situations change and people begin to deal with depression. And if that's you, I want to pray.